You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. I'm thinking about the gospel as something that frees us. A gospel that does not emancipate is not a gospel at all. A gospel that does not free us is not a gospel at all. You know, raise your glass to freedom, something they can't take away that Jesus gives you, no matter what they tell you. Paul is calling us through freedom, through our own freedom, through our own agency, to love and serve one another, and not to be entangled with the things that bond us, not to be entangled with the things that bond us. I want to draw attention to freedom and bondage here, because as Paul is describing it, freedom and bondage are much different than how our society understands what those things are. As we look around the country, there are so many matters that can demonstrate our bondage, but we disguise as freedom. For example, we see people claiming their right to arm themselves as an expression of freedom. But it's in fact an expression of our bondage to violence. We are bound to violence, not free. That's why we hold on to them so tight. And I want to focus on, and and there is a major gun violence epidemic in the country, and in the city of Philadelphia, mind you, right? Just the other week, in front of my cell host's house, there was a gun murder that occurred. There are more murders in Philadelphia this year than there have been in 25 years, 23 years. It's a long time, 1989 is the last time it was the same level, you know? So it's a big problem, but we're not gonna talk about that today. We could, we could talk about any number of issues. There's, there's, it's hard to write a sermon on Thursday without feeling like it's out of date by Sunday. I wanna talk about an example that I think is as urgent as the gun violence epidemic. What are we bound to? In the US, and in most of the industrial world, we are bound to fossil fuels that emit carbon and destroy our environment and, destroy, and, and will destroy our species. We see people proclaiming they have a right to consume whatever energy they want as an expression of freedom. And by the way, the Supreme Court is debating the role of the EPA right now, and that could also affect the EPA, which was formed in the 70s with the Clean Air and Water Act, which is one of the most powerful pieces of legislation ever passed to protect the environment under Richard Nixon, for what it's worth. Um, that, really, that, that law really helps protect us, and it could, the EPA could actually be used to really help us. The Environmental Protective Agency could be used to help us but the Supreme Court may take its teeth out. So we have an idea that we can use whatever energy we want and that's freedom, but it's actually destroying us, destroying our planet. And we're suffering the costs of that. Right now, you can see that we're addicted to fossil fuels because gas prices are so high and we can't help in general but buy gas in general. Now, some of us, some of you biked here, some of you walked here, but in general, we are bound to fossil fuels just to live our lives, you know? 
In Philadelphia, our entire infrastructure is organized around cars. We elected to put a, an, a, an interstate spur in the middle of our city, 676, to bring in people from the suburbs to come work here and then leave. We destroyed neighborhoods, first of all, with it. That's one thing. But the second thing is, instead of installing like another subway line, which could be useful for what it's worth, our two little lines don't, aren't that great, in my opinion. They're pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy. They're open till 1 a.m. We have 24-hour buses. It's good. Some places have it worse. But we invested our infrastructure in this big project instead of actually something that's both accessible more to people that don't have cars, but also ultimately better for the environment. So we're bound to cars, we're bound to car culture and bound to fossil fuels. And we're just gonna pay whatever it takes. You know, cost me $80 to fill up my tank this week. You know, it's as much as an oil change, which is like weird to think about. Basically, the issue in the US is that we're seeing an increase in demand, but a decrease in supply. Can we talk about this for a second? I don't know if you wanna learn about this. This is only a little bit. During the pandemic, gas prices were low. During like the lockdown quarantine time. Why? Because no one was driving. You know, I had a tank of gas last me from like April till September. But then we got vaccinated in 2021 and then prices went up because demand couldn't meet supply. So prices started going up last year. Things stabilized a little bit. But then there was this big geopolitical event that occurred where Russia invaded Ukraine. Russia is one of the biggest exporters of oil in the, in, the, in the world, second just to the United States. That really disrupted the gas market and gas prices rose again. And we don't have very good policy solutions for this. There is no legitimate energy transition plan in the United States at all. There's no, there's no real plan to transition us from, from petroleum use specifically. There's no legislation, there's no political will, if you ask me. And refineries are at capacity. They can't even produce more petroleum. Even a federal gas holiday, which would remove federal tax from gas for like three months is what Biden is proposing, which not only starve us of road repair money, but also probably not impact the price of gas very much. The Biden administration is hoping to rally international allies to produce more oil, even though the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, or OPEC, isn't playing ball. They don't want to increase production. So we're in a tight bond spot. We may just have to get used to life with high gas prices for the rest of our life. And the question for us that comes to mind is, is, is that really freedom or is that bondage? Is a reliance on fossil fuels liberating or is it an expression of excess? Or to use Paul's word, is it an expression of self-indulgence? Paul tells us that we use the freedom we have in Christ as an opportunity to love one another, not as an opportunity for self-indulgence. And it seems to me that the U.S. has indulged itself on fossil fuels because we're the world's biggest petroleum producer and also a leader in carbon emissions. And if the, law we, if the law of love, the whole law, can be summed up as loving our neighbors as ourselves, Paul says this in Galatians. 
Now let's pay attention to when Paul says, loving your neighbor as yourself is the highest law. Jesus says the same things. The Jewish scribes agree with him. And Jews throughout that time also said that the law of love, loving our neighbors as yourself is the highest law. Jesus wasn't articulating a unique concept. It was how Jewish people understood the greatest principle of the law. The rule is then to love one another. And if the ways we self-indulge leads to burdening poor families with high gas prices, which is again an inelastic good in the country, everybody has to buy gas, in addition to our destroying our planet, it seems like we have not effectively loved one another. Paul goes on to say that we should, grat- we should not gratify the desires of the flesh. Flesh is an interesting word to use here because for a long time flesh meant passions of the body. Meant our passion, sometimes even our sexual desire. It often taught us to suppress our emotions because they were too much. But Paul isn't saying that desires are wrong. Paul is saying, I mean, it's clearly the spirit desires something too, unique from the flesh, but still. Paul is saying, pay attention to the works of the flesh that are obvious, which I think is important to note. In his cultural context, he names obvious things, some of which we won't be able to relate to, some of which we probably won't be able to relate to. Like he lists sorcery in there, you know, and I, I, not, I don't, a lot of my friends aren't doing sorcery, you know, that's not common among us. Um, and so he has a specific cultural context, specific things, and some of them are specific to the Galatian church, right? Jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy. He's talking to the people about what they're going through. Ultimately, though, for us, it comes down to self-indulgence at the expense of our neighbor. Self-indulgence at the expense of our neighbor is the work of the flesh. So as Americans, we need to wonder, what are the things that bind us to our own self-indulgence, and what are the things that free us to love one another? My prevailing example today is our indulgence with fossil fuels and petroleum. We aren't loving our neighbor when, we, when, when our self-indulgence pollutes the air, warms the planet, devastates our economy. The whole of our allegiance to the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit should be freedom. We should be free to be ourselves in the world, free to live and live and love without hindrance. Christianity is a freedom movement and our self-indulgence blocks that Spirit from flowing. Our love of neighbor changes everything. The entire law is is summed up as neighborly love. And the expressions of that love are the fruits of the Spirit. Paul says, commit yourselves to these fruits, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What if that is how we formed our lives? As we imagine new ways of living, what would it be like if we were guided by the fruits of of the Spirit or the ones in which there is no law against? What if They informed how we consumed, how we developed technology, how we cared for one another, even in terms of energy, were these fruits. What if we decided to change how we consumed because we loved one another and we loved the earth? What if we put our own fleshly desires aside to sacrifice and sacrifice in order to love one another? What if we pursued peace instead of violence how much is how we consume energy motivating our, 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 our addiction to oil? How many wars have been fought over this? 
How many disputes are happening because of our addiction? Why is the war in Ukraine so destabilizing to such a vital resource to our economy? What if we pursued peace instead of violence? And we considered that when we consumed. What if we exercised patience? If I can point to one fruit of the spirit that we could use in this political economy that would affect climate, it's patience. We want to go faster. We want to move faster. When it comes to climate policy, the entire ruling party's idea for innovation, for new ways to consume, new technology just went out the window. And we were very concerned about lowering the price of gas. It's like nothing happened. It's like there was no interest in climate at all. Right away, it just changed. There's no talk at all right now about that. If we move to an alternative energy, we can expect gas prices to rise because we can expect supply to decrease. And there is no political will or appetite for higher gas prices. So we have a lot of work to do. We're so urgent and so hell-bent on growth that we can't slow down, even if it'll ruin our world. We're impatient, so we flood the earth with more oil instead of imagining alternatives. What if we treated our earth with kindness or generosity or faithfulness or gentleness? What if we allowed ourselves to care for one another as opposed to this self-indulgence? What if we demonstrated self-control instead of buying the biggest and fastest cars that are ruining our society. You can see the self-indulgence around us. You can see the excess of wealth and the consumption around us, you know. Jeff Bezos flying into space with his own rocket is self-indulgent. It's expensive, it's costly, right? Private jets are self-indulgent. We have problems. What if we changed how we lived? What if we changed about what we, what we even thought success looked like? What if we imagined a simpler way to live instead of technologies that just perpetuate our self-indulgent lives? We have trouble in this country because we think too often that we can fix the climate without changing our life. We're waiting for that opportunity where nothing changes about how we live and just miraculously goes away. We need leaders to help us transition, to change, to grow, to imagine new ideas and new possibilities. And the church could be a leader in that. You know, I majored on the current crisis of gas prices because that's the talk of the week, or it was up until Thursday and Friday. But what if we allowed the fruits of the Spirit to inform the rest of our lives? What if we imagine new things together? What if we consider what is obviously the... What, 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 what? If we consider what is obviously the works of the flesh now, what emerges for us? What are the things we are bound to? What are the things that prevent us from loving our neighbor? Today I did want to consider our addiction to fossil fuels, but maybe you have more. So let's pause, pray, and then do some talk back, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for your provision and your strength, for your creativity, for the hope that you provide us to imagine new ways of being and new ways of living. May we seize the opportunity to imagine new things as we face, in many ways, impending doom. 
Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhopenet.com.